Turn your Bibles to 1 John, chapter 5. So tonight is, uh, I talked, last time I spoke it was on um, 6 through 12 in chapter 5, and it was kind of difficult, but we got through it, and this week is another difficult one. It's another uh, weird text, Uh, it won't take you long, you can read through it and then you'll see, we're in verses 16 and 17, and uh, it won't take you long to read those and be like, okay, what in the world is John talking about? And um, so tonight what I want to do is I'm going to go through verse, yeah, it's just two verses, but I'm going to go through these two verses, and first what I'm going to do is tell you uh, what John is saying. I'm going to kind of walk through the verses and kind of break them up in pieces and tell you, okay, what is John saying? And then at the end, I'm going to give you kind of like an overview of why he's saying it. So what's the point of talking about uh, sin not leading to death or sin leading to death? Because it's, you know, it's weird and it's kind of tricky and it seems kind of muddy, but it's a little, um, as I go through, it'll be a little bit more clear. Uh, does anyone know how to pull me back? Because I'm pretty loud. Thanks, Gavin. Um, so I'm actually going to start reading in... Uh, verses 14. Actually, we might as well start in 13 because it's just one more verse. So, First uh, John chapter 5, starting verse 13. And if you don't have a Bible out and you do have access to a Bible, you should get it out because it, it might get a little confusing because John's uh, set is kind of really repeats himself. So when I keep referring back to the text, it's going to be a little confusing unless you have it out and you're looking at it. But anyways, so chapter 5, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And here's the text for tonight. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Um, Let's pray. Father, I need your help tonight. On my own, trying to interpret uh, what John is saying, uh, I will fall incredibly short, and I will fall even shorter trying to make this make sense to the, uh, these people without your help, without your Holy Spirit guiding me and helping me. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and that you would pierce hearts, you'd uh, transform lives, and you would help us to see what John is talking about and ultimately what you are saying through John. I pray that you'd help me now in this time. In your name, amen. So, verse by verse. We're going to start in verse 16. So John says, if anyone sees his brother, stop. Who is he talking about when he says brother? He is talking about a believer, a uh, brother in Christ. He's not talking about just anyone. He's talking about a brother in Christ. So that's the first key distinction that we have to be aware of, and it'll make more sense as we go. Um, So then we continue, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin... Uh, most translations, I think, say a sin, um, but in the Greek, 
there is no indefinite article, a. There is, no, there is none of that in the Greek. And so the, the uh, translator can either choose to add a or not add it. And um, frankly, it really doesn't matter if he adds it or doesn't add it because the saying will hold true. I think, it's, I think it sounds better as far as to John's point if you leave it out. If you just read it, if anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death, it would make the rest of it flow a little bit more. But again, it doesn't matter because he's talking about if anyone sees a brother committing a sin. And, and the, reason I, the reason I bring it up is because when we say a sin, it makes it seem like a specific one. There's only a specific sin that is not leading to death. And then later he talks about sins that are sin that does lead to death. And so you'd think, okay, he's talking about maybe a specific sin there too. So I just want to make it known that it's sin in general, any sin. It's not a particular sin that leads to death or a particular sin that leads uh, to, that doesn't lead to death. So that's another kind of distinction. And so then he goes, if anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death. Okay, what is sin not leading to death? So what he means by that is sin committed by a, uh, by a genuine and true believer. So anyone who has accepted Christ as their Savior by faith, faith alone in Christ alone, who sins, their sin does not lead to death. And, and when I get to, uh, and, and death, what John means by death is eternal death. He's not saying uh, physical death, because we're all going to die a physical death. But what John is saying is a sin that does not lead to eternal death. Believers in Christ will not die an eternal death. They will live with Christ forever. Those who are outside of the faith and they, who will reject God will suffer and will die in hell for all eternity. They will, they will die. Um, we live because of Christ. Um, so that's the next thing I want to, uh, I want to point out. Um, then he goes on and says, so he says, if anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. And so now ask and God will give him life. Um, this, we can look back in verses, uh, which is why I read 14 and 15, because he says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. So if we're asking, if we're praying in faith and asking God to do something, and it is according to his will, we know that it will happen. He will grant us that wish. And so then it makes sense that if anyone sees his brother, a brother in Christ, a true believer, committing a sin, he shall ask and God will give him life because he is a believer. So it, it kind of, you, you see, um, asking uh, and God will give him life. God will grant life to his children. He delights to do this. So now, and then we keep going through uh, 16. And again, it's, I'm just kind of giving you a bunch of stuff. You should have questions coming to your mind. You should be like, oh, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm, hopefully I will clear it up. Hopefully I will, you know, de-mud uh, the waters. You know, they say muddy the waters. But hopefully it, it'll make sense. So John keeps going. So if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to life, uh, do not lead to death. So he restates himself. Uh, he restates that uh, life will be given to those who 
um, commit sins that not leading to death. These people will receive life. They will ask God, and God will give them life. Life will be given. So then we keep going. So there is, there is sin that leads to death. Okay, so here he, talks, he switches the tone. Now we're not talking about sin that leads, uh, that does not lead to death, eternal death. We're talking about sin that does lead to eternal death. This sin that John is talking about, and again, this is kind of why I said a sin. I don't want you to think that it's a sin. What I think John is talking about here is an, uh, a life of rebellion against God, a life that says, I, I, Romans 1 says we're all, we all know there is a God. We all suppress that truth. Therefore, when, uh, when he's talking about those, those, who sin, those who sin and it leads to death, he's talking about someone who says, no thanks. He said, I'm going to live in total rebellion until the day I die. I'm going to, uh, the, the, the fancy term is final apostasy. They will rebel and reject God until the grave. So though that person, who is obviously not a believer, will die, uh, will die spiritually. They will uh, suffer in hell and wrath for all eternity. So that's what he's talking about. Is that, and so it's not really a particular sin because it's just a rejection of God. It's just rejecting God and not obeying by any of his, abiding by any of his commands. It's living the way they want to live and not. Uh, again, just not listening to his commands and not obeying them. Uh, so then, the, that, that person who is um, who's sinning that leads to death, they are, uh, an, they are they lack a genuine state of repentance. And that's what separates, obviously, that's um, faith, separates the believer and the non-believer. And so a non-believer will reject God forever, and they will not repent of their sin because they like their sin, and they don't, want, they don't want to repent of it. They don't believe in God. So, um, now we go to the next part. John says, uh, so we're here in the middle of 16. He says, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Now, this gave me the most trouble studying um, and I, I, quite frankly, be honest with you, I don't even know. Um, I, I, I think I know what John is saying, but we should do more study on this. And I should do more study on this. So I'm only going to hit what I know that he is saying. And I'm not going to go too far into it because it's confusing why he says this. And it's even confusing why he even brings it up to begin with. But again, it'll be more, a little bit more clear later. But anyway, so I do not say that one should pray for that. I think John, what John is saying here is, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about sin that leads to death. When I say, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. He's saying, I'm not talking about a sin that leads to death. I'm talking about a believer. When you see a believer, this is John's point, when you see a believer committing a sin, you shall pray and ask God to forgive them and that, may, that God may give them life. He's not saying this to a person who uh, is, is going to suffer in hell for all eternity. There is an elect of God, and there is some who will perish in hell. And, it, and if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense to pray for someone who's already in hell, if you get what I'm saying. So, but anyways, besides the fact, John is saying, this is not what I'm talking about. This is not why I told you that to, um, to pray and ask God, and he'll give them life. 
now, and I will talk about it more later, we certainly, certainly pray for those who are not believers right now and are alive. Certainly, we pray for them. That's not what I'm saying at all. And, I'll, and it'll be more clear later. I'll, I'll, I'll rehash on that again later. And that's not what John is saying either. But uh, this is not, and again, this is not what John is commanding us to do. John is commanding us to pray for the forgiveness of believers. If I see a believer committing a sin, to pray and ask God for forgiveness for that person. And again, I'm going to go into this more in depth later, but that's what John's commanding us to do. He's not, he's simply not commanding us to pray for that, for someone who is going to perish for all eternity. Again, it's, it's, it's weird and it's tricky, but I, again, I'm going to keep going and hopefully it'll make some more sense. Um, but notice, but do notice this, that he doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say not to pray for this, but he doesn't command to pray for it. So that's the part that's a little tricky and it's weird that uh, he refrains from saying, don't pray for this, there's no point in praying for this, yet he also doesn't command us to pray for it. So again, I don't know if that, if that makes any sense to you at all, but something you should look into and study more about. But just know that this is, John is saying, this is not what I'm talking about. He's acknowledging that there is a sin, there is, not a sin, sorry, there is sin that leads to death, eternal death. But I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about sin that does not lead to death. So hopefully you got something from that. But um, So now verse 17. He says, all wrongdoing is sin. Wrongdoing is sin, like he says, and sin is lawlessness. Therefore, wrongdoing is lawlessness. Uh, in Romans 13, go to Romans 13, 8. We see a good definition of what sin is. Romans 13, 8. So Romans 13, 8 through uh, 10. He says, uh, this is Paul, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall, not, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling of the law. We talked about this before in Refuge, about how if you're loving someone, if, you, if you're full of Christ's love and you're loving a believer, if you are loving them the way you should be loving them, the way God has loved you, then you will not be sinning. You can't um, love someone and sin against them at the same time. We can on earth because we're, in, we're fallible. But you get what I'm saying? So it's like love fulfills law. So it's love God and love neighbor. That's what Jesus said was the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this is... Um, if you go back to 1 John, so he's talking, this is what John is saying, all wrongdoing is sin. And then he says, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So again, he, he said some form of uh, sin not leading to death three times in two verses. And so there's a significance to that. Um, Again, he's talking about eternal death. It's important that we see that he's talking about eternal death. Um, and we obviously, and we know, 
that someone can commit a sin and it doesn't lead to eternal death because of Jesus' blood and your faith in Jesus and his, he's covered all of your sins and blotted them all out. So now, I kind of went through roughly those verses. Now, I want to ask a question, and there's two questions I asked during my study, uh, two big questions, and the one was, what is John saying when he says, I do, not pr- I do not say that one should pray for that, and I don't, maybe I helped you, maybe I didn't, but again, you should study that more in-depthly, because um, I think it has something to do with the command, the, the, the verses before about prayer, and when he says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Um, and so when he says, I do not say that one should pray for that, it, it could be because it's, not, it's against God's will. Now, again, it's, uh, you'll have to do more study. But the, the main question that I came to and that I struggled for a while trying to answer was why does John say, why does he even mention at all sin not leading to death? Why? What's the point? He says it three times. So I'm like, why are you saying that? What, wouldn't it be much easier if you read from 16 uh, to 18 and you just read, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, he shall ask and God will give him life. And then go right into 18. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. Wouldn't it be so much easier if he said that? Why would he, why would he say committing a sin not leading to death and then have to repeat himself later to the... It, I'm talking specifically about those who commit sins that do not lead to death, and then say there is sin that leads to death, and now he, now he has to explain, okay, well, now I've got to tell him, you know, there is a sin that does lead to death, so, so what's the point? Why would he say that? Because now he's, he goes on like a little, uh, not a rabbit trail, because he isn't John doesn't do rabbit trails, everything, he says everything for a reason, and that's the point. And I was kind of thinking, what is the, why? Why do you say, why do you say this? It seems like it would make much more sense if he didn't. It would flow better in my own fallible opinion. Um, so, I came up with five different, um, by God's grace, I came up with five different reasons why he says this. And one of them, I'm ashamed that it took me so long to come up with it, but by God's grace, he opened my eyes to it. The first thing I'll say is, uh, this affirms that John is talking about a true believer when he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, it affirms that he's talking about a true, genuine believer because he says it's a sin that doesn't lead to death. And those who are believers, when they sin on earth, because we will still sin before we're glorified, our sin does not lead to eternal death. Praise God. So it affirms that he's talking about true believer. And there's, ma- there's many different reasons he puts this in there. There's not just five. You can come up with your own list if you want to. Um, but here's the five that kind of stuck out to me and the ones I feel like emphasizing. Um, another reason is he's pointing out a crucial difference between uh, sin in a believer's life and sin in a non-believer's life. Um, one is held and kept uh, and secured, their faith is secured in Christ forever. Anyone who's a believer in Christ is, has the full assurance that they will be glorified and they will be a believer for the rest of their life if they're a true, genuine believer. And the one who's not a believer when they sin, because both still sin on this earth, one of the believer, by God's grace, is continuing to look more and more like Christ. The other one doesn't care, and they're just going to keep sinning. So um, that kind of leads into the next, um, next point, the next reason why I think he says this. 
And he wants to crush any, uh, John wants to crush by saying, uh, by bringing up not leading to death, a sin not leading to death. He wants to crush any misconception of this perfection thing on this earth. There are people who believe that once you're saved and once you're a true believer, it's possible to not sin on this earth. It's possible to muster and white knuckle it enough to where you can live a perfect and sinless life. John, this isn't the first time John has uh, pretty much openly stated that that's not possible. That's not true on this earth. Once we are glorified, we will sin no more. But while we're on this earth as believers, we will, however, fall to sin. And we know also that he says this in chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And now again, he's saying it here, committing a sin not leading to death. A believer, when they commit sins on this earth, their sin does not punish them and condemn them for all eternity in the wrath. So it's great that he says this. And then also in verse 18, if, we just, if he left that out, we would say, if anyone sees a brother committing a sin... He shall ask and God will give him life. And then he'll go into verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. So it's like, okay, what is it? Are we going to sin or are we not going to sin? You know. But he's making that clear that a believer's life will continue and be made more and more like Christ. It's not going to be perfect. You won't be sinless, but you will sin less. Remember, we've talked about that before. You will be... Uh, changing from one image of glory to the next, becoming more and more like Christ. So uh, John really wants us to see that. Uh, And now my second to last point about why he says this, and this is the one that I'm ashamed that it took me so long to to think of it, but again, it was like a a snapshot, and I was like, holy smokes. And he's pointing out the mercy of God. If you read that and you say, if anyone sees a brother committing a sin... And just think, a sin not leading to death. Okay, sin, uh, when sin entered the world, so death reigned. So sin, the, the punishment for sin that we all commit is eternal damnation. It's hell, it's wrath for all eternity. It is eternal death. So when he says committing a sin not leading to death, this is screaming the mercy of God. How gracious and loving God is that he would forgive us for making friends with the enemy, sin, Satan. We're inviting sin into our life and participating in that which he hates. God hates sin. He hates it. And yet we invite it into our life. Even believers, we, we still like sin. We still invite sin to dwell in with us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, yet we make friends with the enemy, and God hates it. Yet, there is sin that does not lead to death, and that's an amazing truth, and it points out the, the mercy of God. And then that leads into the last um, point that I th- that thought of, that the reason I think John is saying sin not leading to death, the reason I think he brings it up, is because it provides us with assurance of our faith and in our perseverance to the end. Um, we have a tendency to get discouraged when we sin and fall short on this earth and we're beating ourselves up. Oh, am I really saved? Am I not? 
there is sin that does not lead to death. Now again, it's not specific sins. It's sin in general that a believer commits and is repentant of. If you're not repentant of your sin, then you're not a true believer. But if you're repentant and you hate your sin and you're trying so hard to get rid of it and to turn and repent, you see the sin, you love the sin, by God's grace and by his power, you sever the sin and you turn and you repent and you live a life pleasing to God. You try to live by the Spirit. And so that is, um, we have assurance that there is sin not leading to eternal death. And so that's good news. And so now I've kind of explained what, you know, hopefully I've made it clear kind of what John is saying. And now I want to um, kind of broadly say why he's saying it with three points. Number one, I kind of have already said it, and a lot of these things I've already said, if you were paying close attention, I'm just going to kind of emphasize them, because I, I want, with these three points, I've kind of, like I said, I've already kind of said them. So, but with these three points, if you don't, if you leave with nothing from what I've already said, take these three points home. I've, I've, I've tried to explain to you the 16 to 17 and the tricky uh, terminology, but if you, if you didn't get that, that's fine. If it went over your head, whatever. I want you to get these three points because these three points are key to why John is bringing this up in his letter. Number one, God is merciful. He is merciful that he would forgive you of making friends with his enemy. Again, God hates sin. He hates it. So much so that he pours out his just and holy wrath on those who continue to live in it, unrepentant and without faith in Jesus Christ. He hates the sin. He hates it. And what are you saying if you, uh, or, and, and John is saying, there's a sin that does not lead to death. And that's an amazing, mind-blowing thing. That there, we can commit sins as, a, as believers and repent you will always repent of your sins. I'm not saying that you can, if you're a believer, you can commit as many sins as you want and you can live your life however you want. You're continuing to live more and more like Christ. You're repenting. You're turning from your sin and living to Christ. Uh, and your sin does not lead to death. Your sin should lead to eternal death. It should. You should suffer in hell for all eternity because of your sin. But you don't because Jesus' blood has wiped away your sin. If you put your faith in Jesus, your blood, uh, your, your sins are atoned for. Jesus has took your place and has taken on the wrath of God for your sin. So we see the amazing truth that a sin not leading to death. Uh, in, in, uh, something I was talking to AJ about um, a couple of days ago, whenever it was. Uh, here in James chapter 4, turn to James chapter 4. We see the kind of uh, mindset we should have towards sin. James chapter 4, right after Hebrews. This, listen, to what, listen to what James says about sin and, and how we should feel towards it. Starting, uh, so chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse 4. He says, You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Again, this is what I'm talking about. The spirit is living inside us and yet we are going to sin as our pleasure. We are lacking faith and trust in God that he is our ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction and we're going to sin and we're saying, I want that more. I think that's going to satisfy me. And, he, and God is yearning jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace in verse 6. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And now listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. After, think about this. After you commit a sin, think about this and or try to imagine how you would normally react after you commit a sin. Ah, darn, I messed up. Again, sorry, God. And then keep going about your day. Think about how you react. And listen to what James says. In verse 8. Or no, uh, yeah, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. How many people have done that over their sin? How many people have been wretched and mourn and weep? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's that's deep. Be wretched and mourn and weep. This is how much God hates sin and how much we should hate sin. We should hate it. We should hate it. Point number two. Big point number two. Go back to 1 John. Big point number two is there is sin that does not lead to death. And that is amazing. I'm telling you, that is amazing. Praise God. There is sin that does not lead to death. Are we hearing that? After hearing how we should feel towards our sin and how God feels towards our sin, he yearns jealously over our sins. He hates it. He hates it. He deserves wrath. We deserve wrath and judgment. Yet, there is sin that does not lead to death. Are you kidding me? And why? Why does it not lead to death? Why does our sin not lead to death? Because Jesus has wiped away all of our sin, those who put their faith and trust in him. His blood has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And that is amazing. John wants us to see that. He says it three times in these, in these two verses. Three times. You are eternally secure in the Father. No one can snatch you out of his hand. This should be shouted from the mountains. We should go to the ends of the earth telling people that there is sin that does not lead to death. There is sin that does not lead to death. That is great, great news. Oh, I want to help. I pray we see this. I pray we see the greatness of that. And third point, uh, and this is probably most specific to what John is saying in uh, chapter 5. Well, I'd say that's pretty specific, but... This is, this is really key to what he says in verse 16. He says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. 
Do not turn a blind eye to a believer committing a sin. We need to see the importance of, in the church body, how important it is to look after one another. And if you see a believer, the bride of Christ, whoring after idols, committing adultery against Jesus, the husband, where, where uh, you see a bro- the bride of Christ, you see a, b- a brother or sister in the faith committing a sin. And what do we do most often? I uh, didn't see that, or I'm not going to talk to them about that. Or even worse, we gossip. We would gossip, and we see someone, and they go, man, do you see that? you see how prideful he is? Man, that's, whoa, man. And, and, and what, is, what is happening? What is happening when he's sinning? He's committing adultery against Jesus, against God. What ought you rather to do, John says? Pray, plead with God for their forgiveness. This was mind-blowing to me. I've never thought about that when you see a believer committing a sin to plead with God on their behalf for their forgiveness. How many of us have ever done that? I've never done that. Never. I've pleaded with them to uh, for God to open their eyes to their sin. But I've, I've never pleaded with God, forgive them, Lord, forgive them. Please, God. They don't know what they're doing. Please, God. And then what else? What else are we supposed to do? John doesn't really mention it here. But we should, we should go up to them. We should tell them. We should say, hey, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You're whoring after another idol. You have greater joy. There's greater joy to be had than to keep living in that sin. The, 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 dis, the church discipline process is to go to that person. Go to that person. Don't gossip about that person. Don't turn a blind eye and say, hey, uh, he'll, he'll learn on his own. We need to be going up and helping these brothers and turning them to Christ. Do not turn a blind eye to a believer who is committing a sin. And John is saying, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. He'll give him life. You should be mourning after a person. You should... Uh, John Calvin says it really good. Actually, I'm going to go to James, James 5. Go to James 5 again. Sorry. We were in James chapter 4 last time. We are in James chapter 5 this time. I should have had you keep your finger there. John, uh, James chapter 5. And this was the first time I had ever heard that kind of talk, that you should be pr- uh, pleading with God on their behalf um, for their forgiveness. Not only should you, I've heard many times to go and talk to them about it and, to, and bring it up to them graciously graciously bringing it up to them, pulling out the own plank in your own eye before you point out a speck in someone else's. That should, that should be a very humble thing. But I've heard of that, but I've never heard of, you know, I'm like, is John the only one who says that? Is John the only one who says pray uh, for the forgiveness of another believer's sin? And in James chapter 5, uh, in, ver- in verse... I can read a lot of this. I'm gonna we'll do we'll do in nineteen, verse nineteen. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Actually, I want to go to verse fifteen. 
So James chapter 5, verse 15. He says, this is more specific to what John is saying. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. He's talking about bodily ailments there. But, he says, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. And then, of course, he goes on to say in 19, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. John is not the only one who says stuff like this, who says language like this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. Plead with God to give that person, plead with God on behalf of that person for forgiveness of their sin. Don't turn a blind eye and then go to them. They, 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 it might be a blind spot of theirs. Go to them and bring it up to them graciously. John Calvin says it this way, and it's gold. He says, Surely it is iron hardness not to feel pity when we see souls redeemed by Christ's blood going to ruin. If you can see a believer committing a sin and, not, and it doesn't land on you a certain way, you need to plead with God for a change of heart, that you would care for the flock and the sheep and the children of God. We, uh, I said I, sh- I showed you in um, in James where else this is um, said, uh, but this is actually com- this is actually a common thing at the end of letters written to churches, written to a group of believers, a body of believers, to uh, mention some form in some way, pray for believers uh, for forgiveness, pray for them to persevere. Uh, look out for one another. We've seen it in Hebrews. We've seen it. We see it all over the place, and it's typically at the end to look out for one another, look out for the body, uh, and keep watch against wolves. We see we see this often in other letters, and it's it's fascinating that we that we see it in almost every single um, letter that's written to a body of believers. I'm going to go to Ephesians six eighteen. I'm just going to show you a couple of them. Ephesians six eighteen. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is not just John language. When I first read it, I'm like, oh man, I've never heard that before. But th- this, is, this is a common theme. Uh, Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12, you don't have to turn there, says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. I don't think we pray as often as we need to for the body and for the believers, for other people. We don't pray near as much. We should be more like Epaphras, who says, who always struggles on your, he struggles with prayers on your behalf, in his prayers, that you may stand mature 
and fully assured in all the will of God. Jesus prayed for Peter before he, was, uh, before he denied him three times. He said, I'm praying for you that when you uh, deny me, you will return. You will not stay there. You will return. You will repent and turn back to Christ. Uh, Jude chapter 20. This is a lot, or chapter 20. <laughs> There's only one chapter in Jude, but it's verse 20. Jude verse 20. This is the last one I'll, I'll read to you. Verse 20 through 23 says, But you, beloved, talking to the church, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Hating even the garment stained by their, by their flesh. This is common language. Augustine, and this is where I kind of uh, bring it, uh, as I come to a close, this is where I kind of bring it back to um, when John mentions sin that does lead to death, and uh, I realize that we do not know who the elect of God are, and that is why we are to go and preach the gospel to the nations, to bring all into his kingdom. Whoever will believe, and Augustine says this, we must not despair of anyone, no matter how wicked he is, while he lives and we should pray with confidence for him of whom we should not despair. You should pray for all people that they would turn to Christ and that their sins would be forgiven. All people. Don't get hung up on uh, who's committing sins that leading to death because you won't know. You won't be able to figure it out. But plead with all to turn and have faith in Jesus and plead for their forgiveness of sin. And preach the gospel to all. I'm going to end. Um, I'm going to end tonight. Also, I want. Also, I want you to know. Um, live in the power of prayer. The power. The, prayer is so powerful. In in James, he's talking about Elijah and how how great of a man of prayer and faith he was. That he had fire rain down from heaven and ignite. His, uh, the wood that was soaked with water to prove that his God is the true God. There is so much power in prayer and we don't utilize the gift. I'm going to close tonight with a Spurgeon quote. Spurgeon says, and this is, prayer is relative to us all. Might we not win more victories over sin and win more souls? If we were more, if we more constantly used this weapon of prayer, all hell is vanquished when the believer bows his knee in persistent supplication. Beloved brethren, let us pray. We cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric but we can all be prevalent in prayer. 
Prayer links us with the eternal, omnipotent, the infinite, and hence it is our chief resort. Pray for the believers. Pray for the body of Christ. Pray that people would turn from their sin, their sins would be forgiven. Plead with God and don't just pray for them. Go after them. Tell them of their wrong graciously and humbly. Look out for one another. Take care, brothers, lest any of you have an unbelieving heart, Hebrews says. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would take sin serious. Take sin serious in our own lives and take sin serious in the believer's lives, in the church body. I pray, Lord, that we would see sin through your eyes. You hate sin. You hate it. I pray we would see that. I pray, Lord, that we would be serious about the body and keeping watch over uh, your bride. This job is not just for the elders and the pastor of the church to keep watch. We should be watching over the sheep, and I pray, Lord, you'd help us. Give us wisdom. Help us to, to approach someone with grace, humbly, not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to approach someone and plead with them to see the wrong that they are committing. See the greater joy that is to be had in you. Lord, I pray that you would keep us, reassure our hearts, give us full assurance of our salvation, that our sin does not lead to death. Praise God, our sin does not lead to death. We've been covered by the blood of Christ. I pray that that would be a very real thing to us. We would see what kind of love the Father has for us. He would send His Son to die on the cross for our sins, to wipe away every stain. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. I pray for small groups. I pray that they be fruitful. I pray that This word would land heavily on all of us. Thank you, Lord, for your word and its truth. In your name I pray, amen.